Hey, this is Susan Green. Howdy, everybody. This is Colter Fleming. And welcome to the Backstage Travel Podcast. You were in my dream last night. Uh-oh, what happened? We were doing the podcast and you were <laughs> and you were sharing about the movie you were in. What's the name of the movie? As a kid? Yeah. Prehysteria 3. <laughs> but it became like a cult movie. So like as soon as you said that, people were like, what? And they were like, can I have your autograph? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait for that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so funny. God, that's funny. I love what. Yeah. Who knew? You were in my dreams. I must have been thinking about the podcast before I went to bed. Okay. So, uh, Coulter and I became friends. Let's see. I think I met you in February. Yeah. February, March. It all sort of blurs together right now. Don't you think this is like day 200. How many days in COVID are we? I know people have counted. I don't know what it is. I think we're at five months, Hmm. but you invited us. I remember this. You invited my team to a, uh, happy hour. And I sat outside with my wine and then we just started chatting and you remind me a lot of my spouse. (laughs) You're so nice. But no, and you have a lot of experience and it was fun. So we started doing stuff and you've helped me a lot with what I started doing my bucket list Zooms to try to keep myself in this business, keep myself excited about it, keep myself current while we're going through something that nobody's ever gone through. I hate the word uh, unprecedented, unprecedented. <laughs> pandemic, all these words that come up, but it's been fun. And so I think this will be fun. I think it's a great way to share ideas, allow people to get excited about travel and get excited about ideas that they're doing and also share some of their own ideas and some of the people that we've gotten to meet. Are we going to be on video or or are you just doing the recording audio file? I just got to know, you know, I got to (laughs) know. No, I got to look at you. I gotta like. Well, I mean, like. I mean, like. But are you posting? Is this gonna no, be? Like no, a no, no, channel? no. We'll just do. No, it's a podcast. Podcast. Okay. Listen. Okay, I just have to know. You know, I gotta. I know. But I gotta look. I know. Well, yes, I know. But if I don't look at you, then I can't mess with you. That's true. That's true. No. No. I mean, I I've had enough a long great time. Format, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just have to. I didn't know if our audience is gonna see us or not because, man, I look tired. <laughs> I do look tired. I know. I stayed up last night watching McMillions. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. So McMillions is, well, okay. Dan will tell you, I stayed up and then I fell asleep and then I woke up. So McMillions is about the beginning of the the McDonald's Monopoly game. And it was a total scam. I still love that game. I know. And they, here's the craziest part about it was, this is what blew me away was it increased their sales by 40% because I thought about it going, okay, if I, exactly. I would be like, oh, I want to die Coke. I could go over to circle K or I could go get an extra large Diet Coke and I could get two tickets. And they were like, they just gave away, you know, the crappy prizes on the bottom. Did you ever win was, anything? Uh, the most I ever won, I think it was a burger. <laughs> yeah. More food. Yeah. But anything that was big was all rigged. And then um, I don't want to give it away because you're going to watch it, but how he did it was phenomenal. And then the idea that they didn't know about it for a long time. And then the FBI comes in, they're trying to make the show kind of like the Joe Tiger one, which gosh, doesn't that feel like that was like a year ago? I love those days of early COVID. <laughs> I mean, talking about crazy, what was his name? Joe. I know. What's I don't his even last remember. Name? I know. Anyway, he's in jail anyway. and he got, he got interviewed in jail and he's like, I think it's really unfair that I'm in jail and I'm Joe famous. exotic. Joe exotic. Yeah. He goes, I'm in jail and I'm famous and I don't even get to appreciate it. Here's the crazy part. So my sister has a foundation. They gave money to Carol. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I know. She's like, um, oh my God, the lady's nuts. Carol and if you, saw, if you saw Carol Baskin's wedding photo, you have to Google that. She and her husband, he's tied up like a tiger. You think she beach. killed her first husband? No. No. Well, okay. This is why I listened to another podcast because I have to listen to murder. And um, he said that he thinks that the reason he traveled so much was because he was into drugs and that there would be evidence on the grounds. I don't think she's smart enough, but I could be wrong. I really could be wrong. I think she's, I think she's nuts. And I think she treats the animals poorly. And I don't think she's all that she said she was. And he was too. I don't think he should have. And then the guy that was on the East coast that had like the slaves that wanted to have sex with him and make 10 bucks a day. I was like, who are these people? (laughs) That's why it was such good TV. (laughs) We're watching, we're watching the last dance and I'm like reliving my elementary and middle school years. Like, Every time, you know, you see like, first it's magic and then he, you know, goes up against Clyde Drexler and then he goes up against Barkley. I thought it was very interesting how they do that series. And it's sort of like, 
they interview the top player on the finals team and they sort of play out the year. Mm-hmm. And then it's mm-hmm. fun because they, you know, go back and forth in time. Yeah. That is a really great show. Um, it was really good. I was blown away well by what's his name? Um, the guy with the funky hair that my son loves. Rodman. I was blown away by how good a player he is. Oh, Rodman's Cause fantastic. Because you get distracted by him, right? And then to go, oh, that's right. He's a really, really good player. And then the guy from the Detroit, um, what's his name? Detroit. He has a kid that played too. Um, his hugest rival that I always liked. I thought he was a sweet night guy. Like, like you're talking about late 80s Detroit, like that team? Yeah, he was on the... Um, Isaiah was, Thomas? Yeah, and they were like, they thought he was the dirtiest player. It's funny because he dresses so slick, you know. Oh, like, and, he, and he has a nice face, and you're like, he's oh, just kind of like, hey guys. Yeah, and his son played it. I know. I know. <laughs> like, oh, we hated him. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. nobody liked him. Mm-mm. I know. Well, I grew up in Chicago, so I grew up during that time. Um, it was really difficult because when '93, I was engaged to Dan, and I lived here, and they were he was a Suns fan, and so I'm watching. I'm in this oh, like God. dichotomy of like, who do I go for? And this town shut down when they lost like that was such a good team. That son's team was amazing. Oh, it was. And that's all they had. I mean, they really didn't have football. They just gotten the Cardinals that played at the Arizona stadium. We had nothing here. That's all they had. No baseball, nothing. All they had was the Suns, And it was such a fun team. I mean, Barkley was so fun to watch, you know, so it was like KJ, everyone. I'm like, Oh, and since then, I mean, we've really done nothing. So, but yeah, that's fun. That's, are you done with it? No, we're into like the seventh episode. It's just about to talk about, um, Steve Kerr. Oh yeah. And, yeah. But I was actually, I was actually thinking I, I have like this funny Rodman story from when I was a kid. So I went to this basketball camp, must've been like elementary school, something like that. That was run by this guy named Jack Haley, which actually Jack's not mentioned in the last dance, but you see him in a lot of the shots because he was a player, but he was sort of a mediocre player, but he was a really great guy. Oh. And eventually he became known as Rodman's handler. Um, and then sort of like a bench oh. coach. Jack Haley's like a really good guy. So I went to this summer camp that was run by Jack Haley. It was Jack Haley's basketball camp, just, just North of Tustin where I am now. I think it was like a golden West college. So every day it was like a Monday through Friday camp every day after lunch, he would bring in some superstars. So we had Byron Scott one day, Judd Bushler, who was actually on the show. Who mm. I think they were friends, you know, from the bulls and stuff like that. So Friday, the final day, he was saying all week, I got this huge guest. You guys are not going to believe it. Right. And you know, we're, we're in like elementary school. Everybody's like, Oh man, who's it going to be? Who's going to top Byron Scott? You know, like this Judd Bushler is like telling us great stories. We didn't really know him, but he seemed really cool. So we're all huddled up and Jack hasn't been at camp all day on Friday, which was odd. Cause he was always, you know, really involved and he comes in and he's like, guys, I got to tell you last night I flew to Vegas I had to go through various casinos and hotels to find your next guest. But, you know, sometime around two in the morning, I ultimately found him. This is not the first time he's ever done this, which they also allude to in the yep. last dance. Yep. yep. And out comes Rodman. And they had, he had flown out from John Wayne to Vegas, found no Rodman, way. took a flight back. I don't think he had a return flight. They just went to the airport and got a flight. And brought That's Rodman awesome. back. Rodman looks so haggard. My dad was there, took photos with Rodman. Like That's awesome. Stuff, told us about his story. It was Did he great. play basketball at all? With us? Yeah. I think he probably hung out for another hour. I, I don't, that doesn't, I don't remember that as much. Um, he had to be huge. Oh my God. It was, it was so awesome. Like that's and so Jack will just look so tired. I'm sure he hadn't been to bed. It was oh, great. that's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was amazed on that show. I mean, granted, there's like really no cell phone yet. Him sitting in that room with his handlers and like, like they have nothing to do. They like just sit in their room and like in the back before the game. And I Michael grew up. Sure he smokes a lot of cigars. He does. And oh, his house, goodness. his house was about six miles away from where I grew up. Okay. So um, not that it mattered, but you'd see these huge two, three. I think he sold, I think he sold it. Who, who lives there now? I don't know. It was hard to sell. It's large, but he yeah. left his wife and now he's got a new wife. So yeah. yeah, he looked a little angry. I will say I felt like he was not, but, but you not angry. I think the thing is, is that he wants to win at all costs. This was not a social thing. This was not, that's, that's what I got out of that. And that's what I was telling my son. I'm like, LeBron wants the experience. He also wants the business. Jordan wanted to win. 
Mm-hmm. That's all he wanted. He just wanted to play and win. I think that's what they really portrayed was like, there wasn't really a player that was like that. And I said to my son, I go, you got to understand. I go, nobody played like him when he came out. Like there was no one that could jump from the free throw line. And our dining room table uh, photo forever was the wings like this. <laughs> that was in our dining room. We got married. So that's awesome. Okay. So tell me about how you got into the travel business yourself. So you want the long story or, or the short story? You decide. I have editing right. equipment, so I can decide so, how much I want you to talk. I'll give you, I'll give you, <laughs> yeah, great. I'll, I'll give you the full meal deal and you can shut me up at any time. Oh, so you see you're talking McDonald's brand. We're, we're, I could really we're go talking for McMillions, egg, right? I could, I could go for an egg McMuffin right now. Mm, oh, that sounds- yeah. Any McDonald's breakfast sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> I know. Okay. So long story in an abridged version, this kind of goes back a few generations. My grandfather on my mom's side was a pilot for a brand that eventually became Northwest. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, what you know, size was, aircraft? Ooh, I don't know. Um, I think it was propellers though. Wow. I'd have to ask cool. my mom. So yeah, that, that was one of his jobs. So my mom left Minnesota. She grew up in Minnesota, um, kind of small town. I, I, I think my mom was probably valedictorian or something like that, but uh, went to University of Minnesota and dropped out because she was having to work full time to put herself through school working at the phone company. So she ended up joining Braniff and Braniff brought her down to Dallas. So she was a flight attendant all in her twenties. I remember Braniff. She tells a great story of the day, you know, I think she was flying a route from probably Houston to Kansas city. And that was, that was the day she found out they went bankrupt, which was funny because my dad's dad, was head of purchasing for Braniff. So he had just retired. And I think like a year and a half later is when they went out of business. Wow. So, okay. So you've got my mom's dad, pilot. My mom was a flight attendant until she had me uh, or until Braniff went out of business. And then she had me. My dad's dad, his entire career, you know, moving from basically like parts to eventually rising to head of purchasing. He moved from LA to Kansas City, then to the headquarters in Dallas with Brana. So he worked there about 40 years and then retired. My uncle, my dad's older brother was a pilot for Braniff, then wow. eventually AirCal, and then retired from American. Oh. So both sides of the family, that's like the one thing that unites, yeah. you know, my yeah. parents is this airlines. So yeah. I worked at universities, I thought I was going to get into fundraising and development and stuff like that. I thought I might be like a athletic director or maybe like a director of development, something like that. I really, I really was passionate about that in my twenties. Athletic and, director, for real? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you know, athletic directors at big schools, their job is just to raise a bunch of money. Yeah. But they make a buttload of money too. They do. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I and, think you know, the my guy m- at ASU makes like, he makes a buttload of money, but his goal then is he wines and dines. So you'd go wine and dine people yep. to give money to the school. Yeah. Oh, that'd be yeah. cool. Still may get t- into that I someday. T- I want tickets. Just remember me. I want oh, tickets. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I still may go back to that someday. I loved that job. But when I left the university and I took some time off, I started thinking about some other things that I wanted to try out. And so eventually I got on with American Airlines, you know, sort of fulfilling that full circle airline. Yeah. Legacy. Um, and I loved it. You know, what did you take advantage was, of all the um, free like flying? That is a great perk. So uh, people call it non-rev. Because you're, you're basically flying standby. But what was interesting was just where I was at the time of my life, I just turned 30 when I started working there, I would bring a backpack into work on Friday mornings and put myself on a flight from Dallas to John Wayne, like every other week. And I ended up realizing that I was spending so much time out here in Orange County, catching up with friends, going to first birthday parties, going to my friend's showers, like all that stuff that eventually my friends talked me into moving back. And gotcha. um, I tried to transfer with an American that they had at the time a sales office in Los Angeles. And there was just so many people then. I'm sure now it won't be so bad, <laughs> unfortunately, but there were so many people that yeah. you were going up against people who had been there 20 and 30 years. And so right. I applied to 15 jobs between Phoenix and LA and yep. San Francisco and, and none of them worked out. Um, I left and yep. moved back out to Orange County. I took another sabbatical and then started working uh, with hotels and then eventually wound up in my position now. So that's a long story to sort of say, you know, how I was inspired to get into travel and then what <laughs> brought me to now. 
You still sound and like you're like 80 years old. You've had this huge career and all this. Stuff. I've just taken lots of chances, <laughs> but you know, had I not left my job yeah. and just like sold my house, packed up my car, driven out here, I never would have met Tori who, yes. I mean, that has totally changed the trajectory of my life. Tori's my fiance. We're getting married in December. Yes. Yeah. That's gotta be COVID fun. Or not. COVID. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, I know. I know. And I've got a husband of, let's see. We're going to be, okay, uh, 27 years in October. Dan and I have three kids that are 19, 21, 23. And they traveled. I tell people this a lot. Like I've been a travel agent 26 years. I wanted to stay home with my kids. Yeah, I was uh, really lucky that I grew up in a family that traveled. My dad, I grew up in Chicago and my dad had an office in uh, Lincolnwood, which is a suburb of Chicago. And also an office in uh, Slough, which is uh, basically where the original office came from in the UK, outside London. And so we were lucky that we got to travel we did all types of travel. When we graduated from high school, my dad gave each of us a trip to Europe and we would go for a month with him and we would end up at a um, show, like a trade show. And it was just us. And so we got to go travel. And I tell my kids in 1989, which was a year after I graduated from high school, I got to see the first HD TV. That's when they showed it at the, it was in Montreux, Switzerland. And you think, look how long it took to get from that prototype to get out. Cause my dad was in the film business. So we were lucky to travel. And my dad said something to me profound about, I don't know, two years ago, I was trying to get some friends to go on a trip and they just never want to travel. I was like, I have all these free nights. You want to come with me? And they don't want to travel. And my dad said, people who don't travel before 30 tend to not travel after 30. Mm-hmm. There's something about that nervousness and people do get nervous. And so it's interesting when I talk to my clients on trying to be on, you know, there's a lot about travel that can be uncomfortable. Standing in line, I tell my kids, I go, you learn a lot. Standing in line, going through customs, having people not speak English. Even going to Europe, I remember we've been to London so many times, they speak English, but it's not our English. (laughs) So you have to, you know, you learn a lot about it, but it's been a job I've really liked. We've had our ups and downs. We've gone through a lot with 9-11. 9-11. 9-11 and the recession. Learning a little bit more about it. The last five, six years have been really good for us when my kids got old enough to be kind of self-sufficient technically. <sighs> They're still like children, but they are technically adults. I started going full-time at this. I was always kind of doing like this and maybe another part-time job. And I had stopped this job in 2000 and let's see, 13. And I looked at Dan, I said, should I go get another job to supplement the travel? And he goes, why reinvent the wheel? Why don't we just go for it? And so I started really digging into it. And it's been really fun. I'm very passionate about what I do. I love what I do. I love my clients. And I absolutely love travel. And I don't just love that I get to go on travel trips. I just, I think the whole concept of it, I think there's so much out there I want to learn about. I want to get outside my box of being a white, privileged American. I I don't mean that in a rude way. I think it's just, I've been lucky and I go, there's just a lot about, I want to go to the bar in Dublin and drink, you know, a pint with someone and hear their stories of their life. I think that is so valuable. And I also want to go to a beach and have a butler bring me my gin and tonic. (laughs) I like both. (laughs) So, so let me ask you this, right? So essentially your story is you traveled a lot, you know, thanks in part to what sounds like an amazing father and a great family life. And most people in the world probably don't get to travel that much. So how did you transition from love of travel to, I know I can make money at this. So um, it was 1994 and there was newspaper and I was working at a youth group and I saw an ad in the paper said, do you want to be a travel agent from home? And I said to my husband, which it's funny that I can't believe the business didn't do as well. It was the brother and sister. It was like $500 back then, which who knows what that's worth. And it was a two day course. What they did is they had set you up with a local agency that I actually stayed with for 23 years. And they went through how to, like when you book airline tickets back then you made money. There's a couple different systems. One is called Sabre. So they hooked you up with Easy Sabre and you could go online. No Sabre. Yeah. You could go online through dial up. Somebody said, by the way, side note, somebody said the other day, there's all these noises that are children, this generation and below will never hear. It's like 10 noises. And one of them's like a telephone ringing, like the, like the old ring, fax machine sounds, dial up. Like that sound is gone. And I was like, it's so funny because you could just, you know, you'd sit there and you'd hear that funky sound, how, you know, so they showed us how to do that. And then it set you up with a 
agency and that agency would do like a split with you and they'd be like, okay, you're going to go work. And it was called Terra Travel. You're going to go work at Terra Travel. And it wasn't called that at the time, but they said, you're going to go uh, work with this. And it was a female who owned it and she's going to give you brochures and you start working. They did no training outside that weekend. And this is, this was the big mistake. I was like, it's going to be so easy. I know so many people that travel, they're all going to book through me, even right. my dad and his business. And none of that happened. No. But I, yeah, what I did do is I did a lot of airline tickets for the youth group I was working for, which was great. I made my first big mistake. So back then they had these plates and you would slide the tickets on, right? And so it'd be like America West, which was now American, became US Air, or Southwest. And I did 150 tickets on Southwest and they were all flying in America West. Yeah. Luckily though, back then there was no computers. So they just took the tickets. I did cruises. I did kind of everything. I made business cards. Um, it was really difficult. I remember it cost me like $200 to have a logo made because computers were not accessible. And so I told all my friends and you know, whatever, and it was a good part-time job while I had small kids. We had our, we had our first child in uh, 1997. She was born at the end of December of 96. She was adopted. And I would do a little bit here and there. And I probably made like $10,000 a year for about 10 years. And she had the I, flexibility and the freedom, which you guys needed, sound like. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan had his job. He We had gone through a couple different jobs. And then when things got tight, I've always been kind of an entrepreneur. So let's, these are the other odd jobs we've done. We've done a hot dog stand at Flag Football. I sold shoes on eBay. I would go to resale shops and find high-end shoes, clean them up and sell them. Made a buttload of money on that. But it was a ton of work. It was like, I was exhausted. There was a company here and I don't know if they're still in business. The guy across the street started it. It was, oh, what was the name of it? They made those postcards where you take a photo and then you could send a photo on a postcard. Um, That's awesome. I, yeah. I and I, I worked for him. So what I would do is I'd go to golf events and I'd take photos and I'd hand the person a disc <laughs> back in the disc days. And then they could go and they could get 10 free postcards. Got it. And so I did that. I had a lot of people that were like, you're a great entrepreneur. But I, in my heart, I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, which was great. So I had a lot of flexibility. But as my kids got older, they were in school and I was like, okay, I really want to make this grow. And that's where you have to kind of look at, I think you look at yourself and go, what do I really like to do? I do enjoy traveling. I joke with people when they talk about their honeymoons because you know, I always tell them, I don't want you to spend more money than you can. But I said, let me tell you this. I said no to like 30 free trips because I couldn't go anywhere. Cause who is going to watch my three kids? Hi, I'm going to go on vacation. And would you like to watch my one, three and five-year-old? And my mom would always go, well, I'll watch your five-year-old. I'm like, Oh, you'll watch the easy one. Thanks. <laughs> Who's going to watch the other two? You know? And so it's like, you, you got all these free trips. You've got a lot of perks, but when you're young and you Did have that start going away at some point. Yeah. It kind of changed. Dwindling? It did. So it changed. So there was like free trips, like, Hey, go on your own. Those are awesome. And then there's things called fans. So that means familiarization trips. Okay. And those are okay. So that means I'm going to go sit there with some other travel agents. And sometimes that's a big old pain in the ass. Like you don't know who you're going with. You can get like chatty Sally, which I know they probably call me that, or you can get like arrogant Sally and you're stuck with these people. And I just am like, I don't want to go on those trips. Those are not my idea of trips because what it does is it changes the mood. When I go on a trip to learn about something, I want to know like, what does it feel like when you walk in? What is the manager like? What is the room like? I don't want to be treated special. I want to know what is my client going to feel like? And when you're a travel agent, when you're with people either, either arrogant or you're with a group, they're doing the VIP, which is great. But I want to kind of go in like almost secretly, like secret shop and be like, okay, is this really what it is? Like, are you really going to get this? Is it worth the money and the time? And so I travel a lot to go and get a feel and a vibe for people. Is this the right location? Do you want it to be private? Do you want it to be more social? I like social hotels. Obviously, I'm chatty. I like to be at bars that overlook an ocean. <laughs> I, I always want my room to see an ocean. I have a beautiful pool in my backyard, but I live in the desert. So I want to make sure I want to see that water from my fucking window. And I'm like, that's important to me. And some people are like, I don't give a shit. I can be in the back and whatever. And then they get there and they're like, oh, I can't believe I didn't do that. And so I spend time doing that. It's really important to me. But the free trips now, they do it a little bit different. I think it's easier to get them now, but you have to really spend time knowing your product. So I tell people all the time, if you're not going to use me as a travel agent, find a travel agent that's good at what they know. There are specialists that have spent time. There are products that I know really, really well. And there are some I don't. That's okay. And I'll give you their names. But there are people like us, we don't charge anything that spend time. Like I went to Cancun one year, eight times touring resorts. I know my way around Cancun. I want to know those managers. I want to make sure they know, hey, Coulter's coming with his fiance and they're getting married. And I want them to have that VIP experience. I don't want it to be messed up. 
that's important to me. And not everyone does that. So it's been fun. It's a, I think right now with COVID, I was talking to another travel agent right before we got on. COVID's been good and bad. Obviously it's been really bad. I lost about a... (laughs) Yeah, I lost almost $2 million in sales. But there's been a lot of things that I think have opened up on, okay, so how are we going to do this better? And some of that has been, we all got really depressed and we all got really fat and we all drank and we all laughed. And I loved all the gifts and the memes. I kind of miss those days. Like we were saying, like the Joe exotic, like I kind of miss the laughing about stuff. And I remember the one that said like, March was 250 days long. And I miss kind of some of that. And then April felt like, well, now I'm bitter. And then May kind of got bitter, like now I'm not making money. And it wasn't just us. There's a lot of industries. My husband, we own a paint company and sales went down. And then it's like, so what are we going to do? So at the end of April, I was like, I got to get people to know that we're still doing this. We're in it. We love it. I want people excited. We started doing these podcasts that you were helping me with, trying to get people like Greece and Croatia and around the world to go, you are going to travel someday. It might not be this year. It might not be next year you are going to leave the United States. At some point, you're going to go somewhere. Not everyone, but let's find out who to book that with. Let's get you excited. Maybe you didn't realize some of the things that you could do. I have people that always ask about Hawaii and I'm like, if you're going to go for 10 days, let's get you on two islands. Oh, I didn't realize how easy that was. Stuff like that. So it started this momentum of like, hey, let's get people excited about what's going on. And it's been fun. It's been fun to go forward. I'd love to be making money, but I think it's more right now of like this unpacking of, I'm going to be really particular about who I do business with and how I do my business and where I send my people. I'm going to make sure my clients have options. They're going to be able to cancel for any reason. They're going to make sure that they have the products that they need. They're going to make sure they know what they need to do before they get there. It's not going to be before we were so busy. It was like, thank you. Boom, done. Thank you. Boom, done. I'm not going to go back to that business. We're going to be really intentional about who we do business with. And that's kind of fun. So I think that's what COVID has done. I get asked every single day when COVID's going to end. I wish I knew I'd be a millionaire, you know, everywhere else. But I, I don't know. What do you think has happened? You've been on the other end of the business since COVID's happened. You've seen it on your end. You were just saying that sales for your business has been down the worst quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, travel has been decimated. I think, I think what's going to be the hardest is like in restaurants and hotels and mom and pop tour companies, you know, all over the world, like, will they be able to come back? I mean, I'm sure Marriott having a big brand and, you Mm -hmm. know, well-capitalized and well-organized and established as they are, they'll be able to hire back, but will the same people come back? Will they hire as many people back? Side note. Okay. So when you were at the Marriott, like last week, what was it like going in there? You know, I got a really cool story about that because I I was super inspired. I just stayed at the courtyard in Scottsdale. I'm a Marriott guy, like collecting, you know, the points. And I feel like the courtyards are You're like, a good yes. road trip hotel. Mm, um, totally. They're so, although they do now have like that, you can get wine when you get in there. They have like that little, don't they have like bistros and all those are all closed right now. They're all closed. My dad yeah. likes them too. Uh, you know, it was, it's, it's, uh, it's like going to McDonald's, you know what you're going to get. It's very uh, traditional. Um, they, they, they're, they're good. They're super exciting. When we have all these beautiful hotels, you pick that. Okay. Yeah. I was looking for something <laughs> standard to, to, to ride across really? America. Good. Oh good, my God. Uh, that yeah, doesn't so, sound like you at all. <laughs> I, I'm uh yeah. Yeah. So, so what was cool about the, the Scottsdale courtyard is that they had this heart wall behind where you check in and all everywhere you check in right now is plexiglass. I mean, a table. Yeah. Um, a plexiglass you know, guy made a buttload of money. Those people yeah. are smart. They they know what they're doing. Those <laughs> yeah, are math they, people right now. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. They're like, woo-woo, and Zoom. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. So you walk in, and it's all plexiglass, and there's, a, there's people there's a wall, there. There's a wall of hearts behind where you check in, and each heart has a name on it. And you see a sign that says basically that the hearts represent all the people who were furloughed or let go during this time. And that no their passion is to work towards getting them all back. It was wow. inspiring. Yeah. That's amazing. That is. So you check in and they give you your key mm-hmm. and then you go to your room. Did you, cause I've seen some things online. Like how would it, how did you know your room was clean? Well, they didn't do it. I mean, at the, at the courtyards per se, although you could tell that they've taken out a lot of the, um, the glasses. Oh, they're not in there. Like the, the, the cups or whatever. Yeah. Do you have like coffee in your room or. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think, I think so. But you could tell most things were sort of put away so you could, you could request it, but I mean, gotcha. it's, it's pretty, it's pretty Spartan existence. I did go to a hotel recently that I think was a Hilton brand 
and they sort of have like this sticker across the door. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, that Hilton yeah, did that. I Hilton saw I saw that. him talk about that. Yeah. It means it's sealed and then you're opening it and you're choosing to go in there. And then if you want service, they will come. But yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, did you have soap and stuff in the room or? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of the courtyards have sort of gone to this. I mean, we're talking about the courtyard brand here. A lot of the courtyards have sort of gone <laughs> to where they have like the soap already in the shower. It's not the take homes. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. Um, actually, Like I the use, gym almost. Yeah. I use all those. I actually don't like bringing any of my stuff with me. On, well, I'll bring facial stuff, but no. The, my favorite is sandals. They have the best um, spa stuff and I love their shampoo. I bring it home with me. I'm going away next week and I'm like, nope, I'm not bringing that. I'm, I'm actually traveling for the first time next week. Where are you going, going to, next week? I'm going to Cancun with eight other travel agents. We were supposed to be in a conference. Now it's virtual and okay. you know, virtual is really fun. <laughs> There's a little bit too much virtual. After a while, it's like, I mean, I, here's the deal. They don't have a choice. So that was their choice. So we're going to come back and we're going to do the virtual. But we were like, we need to get our boots on the ground. I need to go and I need to see what it's like to walk through the airport. How do I feel when I get out and get through customs? How do I feel about my bag? How do I feel about this? And I really love this product. It's called the Fives. It used to be part of the Charisma chain and they're hosting us. And we're also going to train with the travel agents that are there. There's great value in getting with other people and talking about how we can do a better job together. And so I'm really excited about it. Now, here's the thing. My husband's nervous. Um, I'm an asthmatic. He gets very nervous about me traveling. He feels like it's a risk. And I'm like, I'm doing everything I can. I have my hand sanitizers. I wear a mask. I really don't do a lot outside there. But I'm excited. I'm excited to go and laugh and be with other people and remind people how beautiful travel is and how fun it is. Cancun happens to be one of my absolute favorite places. Mexico is one of my favorite destinations. It's funny. So I'll post things on like Facebook for social media and I crack up. I know people have a lot of free time, but this is just bullshit. I post one ad and I'll post it like on like a bunch of different groups. And then people will be like, too bad nobody can travel. And I want to be like, so you took your time to go into Facebook and to comment on someone you don't know's ad who's trying to make money and make a negative comment. Wow. I cannot imagine having extra time in my life to cut somebody else down. And it happens every week. I just am amazed. And so, of course, I got fired up and I was like, oh, no, actually, these places are open. And he's like, no, they're not. (laughs) And I felt like I was like in third grade. I'm like, yes, they are. And then he's like, no, you can't go to Mexico. And I was like, that's only driving. You can. People are flying all the time. (laughs) I find myself getting all rolled up. And then I'm like, let it go, let it go. I don't want to sound like a jerk. But there's a lot of false information that's out there. I just where, 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 Where can you go right now? Where, so right now, Jamaica's open. Here's the thing. There are places that are open and everyone has a different qualification. So for example, Jamaica's open for United States. But if you live in Texas, Arizona, New York, you have to have a COVID test. Antigua's open. St. Lucia's open. Punta Cana's open. Those are the Caribbean. Dominican. Island. Dominican, yeah. Those are open right now. So you can go there. Mexico's been open the whole time. So you can fly in and out of there. And I think that they've done a really good job. Now people bring up like Mexico is going higher. You have to then look at the statistics. And this is the number one problem that people do. They get false information. You can't go look even at like the New York Times or USA Today. You got to look at the tourism board, which is basically like looking at the government or the CDC. The reason being is 90% of the cases are coming from Mexico City. Think about that. Mexico City, one of the biggest cities in the world, people touch each other. It's not coming from the beach cities. So you have to look at what they're doing and you have to understand the statistics. The beach cities right now are way better than where I live in Arizona. Oh, and the other places that are open right now is the French Polynesia, which is Tahiti. And I'm selling a lot of that. I have my third couple going, let's see, tomorrow, the 8th. They're going for their honeymoon. They booked it a year ago. And Hawaii is going to open up in September, we think. We'll wait and see. So I just tell people, look, you have a couple options. If you want to travel this year, you got to buy insurance and we're going to buy the cancel for any reason. If you don't buy cancel for any reason, you have no idea what they're going to do. My biggest complaint this year has been this future travel credit that people don't want. They lose their job and I go, I'm really sorry. Yes, the hotel closed and here's $10,000 that you don't get back. And oh, by the way, it's a future travel credit. And they're like, well, I can't travel. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm just the liaison. So we buy the cancel for any reason insurance, not a problem. You get back everything, but your cancel for any reason insurance. It's a, it's a win-win. But if you're going to go like to Mexico right now and stuff like that, I just tell people, you got to be, let's be cautious. Let's buy insurance. There are a lot of places that are open or let's start looking in 21. And so we're booking in 21. The thing is, is that 21 has some fantastic deals and a lot of it is sold out. And that's what people don't also understand. All these weddings, trips, everything that got canceled in March, April, June, July moved to next year. Don't forget about May. 
And May, yeah. So like weddings, yeah. it's almost impossible to get people right now at some of the sandals resorts in the summer of next year. And they can't believe, they're like, how? I go, well, they all moved. And they took all that space. So we have all that taken up for next year. If you want to book, what's great is most of these right now have refundable deposits. So it's worth looking if people are interested at looking at some of these deals. And that's what we try to do. We try to find the great deals that are going on right now. There's just so many great deals that if people want to travel, and that's why I'm like, people are going to travel. You're going to travel. You're going to go on a cruise. My big thing is like, okay, travel is come and come back. It is a worldwide thing. When you're ready, we're here, but let's keep you excited. I mean, I watch all those podcasts. I haven't been to all those places. Every single one of them, my husband's like, yeah, let's go to Greece. I want to go to Croatia. Uh, Let's go to New Zealand. I mean, they get you excited. And I'm like, what is the travel channel? It's telling you about places you haven't been. Okay. What What are people asking for right now? Like, have you had any calls this week being like, hey, we need to go to Colorado next weekend. We just need to get out of the house. Or are people going, hey, I'm interested in... Tahiti or Mexico, or are people like, Hey, we think we want to go August next year back to Europe. What are people calling you for right now? Well, if they call for domestic, we really don't do that. I mean, I do have some people right now with Yosemite, but even though we can sell it, it's here's the thing. I'm not good at it. And I don't want to pretend that I am. It's a lot of work and people who are good at it can be really good at it because they can add all this stuff that I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know if Yosemite, this is how bad it is. And I was a history major. Is Yosemite the one in California or the one in Wyoming? California is Yosemite. Thank you. And the other one is what? Yellowstone. Thank you. Yellowstone is the one that was the cartoon, right? With Yogi Bear? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Jellystone, right? No? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I don't even know. So I'm like, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So I would probably suck at giving them a good advice. Yeah. So I don't do that. Um, right now, because I really advertise and my brand is like honeymoon destination weddings, I'm right now really focusing on Bora Bora and Morea. There are unbelievable deals and Fiji. Those are either January through the summer. I have that. Or I have people right now, there's a huge hard rock deal and they're looking at fall. And that's Mexico. Is that uh, like Cancun? Yeah. So Cancun, Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, there is Punta Cana, but most of my clients are West Coast. West Coast is nonstop, technically nonstop with American. They've kind of you know, messed up a bunch of our flights, but people are asking about that. I do get random like, hey, we want to go to Europe. It's hard right now because I just don't know how to sell that yet. We don't know what's going to be open. We don't know when, but if we're going to do it, it's got to be next summer. Like with Fiji, like I would love to put people in Fiji right now. I'm not doing anything before 2021. I don't think they're going to open before 2021. I don't think Australia, New Zealand's going to open before 2021. I think they're being very, very cautious. So people want to do that, but the Caribbean and stuff like that, people are booking So honeymooners, they still want to get married, but they've had a hell of a year, as you know, for yourself. And so they still want to go. And those clients are like, uh, where can I go? And so that's why I'm like, you can go to French Polynesia. You can go to Mexico, Caribbean. You know, let's look at these things. Cruising, people are starting to ask about Alaska for next summer. So, you know, there are are some things that are coming up. But yeah, it's uh, us trying to keep everyone in the loop. And I really, I'm really excited about some of the guests. Like I have a guy that used to work for the FBI. There's a lot of different jobs in the travel industry. So it's been fun. It's been fun getting to know you. It's been fun getting to know our vendors. They want to come on. We have a couple of them that are really fun. That's our goal is to try to just have fun and learn a little bit more about why people are in the travel business, what they're doing, which has been different. Oh, you know, I was going to say, we didn't have a game today. We'll have to do that with other people. Yeah. About our game. Yeah. I, I've got, I've got an idea. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to have to trade off coming up with questions to stump each other related to travel and geography yes. and things like that. Yeah. And then we'll have a tally Perfect. because I, I have to see that I'm winning we're going okay. down. All right. So I can't okay, play. <laughs> oh, I'm totally him. Jordan, geez. I, yeah. I can't, I cannot play games with people that are like, I don't care. No, I have to be, you have to like be in it to win it. Like I want to, I mean, I do want to cream you, but I really want to win. And I'm married to a guy that's like, I really don't care. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work for me. So, <laughs> but my kid's favorite quote is that I beat them at Candyland. So, and I'm like, well, I had to give you something to go to therapy about. So, so let, let's, let's, let's recap real quick here. So basic premise of our podcast here is talking about what's going on with travel and the state of travel today, you know, interviewing some great guests and getting them excited and talking about travel. You know, we're sort of using this as an opportunity to connect. We started talking a bunch just for fun. And, you know, the business brought us together. A big thing about travel is people, not only people in this industry, but people you meet when you travel, the people you travel with. 
talking yep. about memories from travel and things that you want to do in the future with travel. So the premise here is travel, although of course, you know, we're mostly just going to have a good time and hang out with some, some good people yeah. um, and tell some stories. So yeah, anyway, I just I think that's sure great. that we tell our audience, you know, all yes. three people and my mom who are going to listen to this, uh, <laughs> what we're doing here. I know I'm going to have to try to show my husband what a podcast is. It's going to be very, very difficult. I do have three kids. So let's see, that's three, four. I have four people that can listen to it on our end. No, I think that's great. Do you know where you're going to upload it to? Is this going to be on Spotify? Are we going to be famous? Well, we're going to make billions. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. I have to follow up on that part. I get very distracted. It's that ADHD thing going. That's why you call your COO. I do. You are my COO. You are. You're, You're like, very, wait, very what helpful. did I need to do? And I'm like, oh, I know. I'm like, we got oh. this. <laughs> I do. I do. I need, I need, I need, I need my peeps. I do. But I don't have trouble when I want to cream people. So I do. I'm very competitive. I love to sell. I get motivated by numbers. I do love that. So I want to end all of our podcasts. I want people to send this. <laughs> We're going to have so many people do this, but people send in their bad travel experiences that are funny. We're going to have an email where they can do that, but we can share them because I think they're funny. I think there's so many bad travel stories. My husband says, I always get the bad ones. He always is fine. I'm always the one that's like on the flight that got delayed or I went through a wind shear once in Dallas. I'm always the one that has it. I just think it's because I travel more than he does, but I want to hear your bad travel story. I want to hear what happened to you so I can laugh. So a few years ago, a, a group of friends, we were, we were going to Barcelona to embark on a cruise that did Spain, France, and Italy, you know, sort of the, the Mediterranean. Um, what seven, what seven cruise line? Uh, that was Royal Caribbean. Brilliance of the Sea or Radiance? Uh, you should. One of, those. Yeah, <laughs> one of those. Did you have a balcony? I did not. No, no, no. I, I had a window. Uh, so it wasn't an internal cabin. You had a window. But um, so at the time- Bad travel I was, agent. Yeah, I don't- You should have had a balcony. That's so pretty. Yeah, it was. I mean, I had friends who had balconies, so that was great. That's funny. Okay, sorry. I digress. Go no, no. So so, so basically, <laughs> you know, to get there, you had to fly Dallas. I was living in Dallas at the time. Dallas, JFK, JFK, Barcelona. So oh. do the Dallas, JFK segment and then took off. I guess later in the day or in the evening, something like that, JFK, Barcelona. So we're sort of halfway across and it's like the middle of the night. And I noticed that I think everybody's asleep, but me, it seemed like in my mind. And we turn around and the flight attendants all of a sudden are, you know, a little bit scattered. It was very odd. Well, about an hour into that turnaround, the captain lets us know that we're about to land. We've had something happen with a wing or an engine or something like that. <laughs> I mean, that'd be freaky. So basically, we not really crash land, but we basically emergency land in Gander, Newfoundland. Wow, that is that's really quick after. That's like almost where like the TWA flight blew up. So Gander is basically the last point, you know, as you, you sort of, when you fly, you don't fly straight across, you sort of fly like, you know, up and around, right? Yep, so yep. If you're going to Europe, that's like the last point. And Gander was famous for where they grounded all the all planes, planes during yeah. 9-11. Yeah, yeah. That's a cool photo. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, they, it, it's impressive to see. I didn't see it that night, but the next day, you know, uh, we got another plane up there. How large of a space they have. So what was funny about landing in Gander, Newfoundland is, you know, they make, they made everybody stay there because you're in Canada. And you're like in a 767 or yeah, you're a 777, right? Probably. I mean, I'm I mean, so sure there's 350 were. people on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was one of those. It was like, I think it was like two, four, two across, you yeah. know, in coach. Um, yeah. It was probably 1am at that point. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. In Gander time. So they, they sort of have the whole plane you know, in, I guess this waiting area, which I'm sure was like customs or whatever. And they figure out, okay, so we've got to figure out how to get all these people into Canada, but then also out tomorrow. Cause we're hoping that a new plane's going to come up there. So what wow. was funny was, and this is my favorite part of the story because Gander's not a large town, right? No, so right. some very nice people help us come through the pilot. We finally see him deplane and the dude is just sweating. I think it was probably... I, you know, I don't know what exactly happened, but it, it was clearly an emergency. I mean, I think dude was thankful to have landed with nobody hurt. Wow, isn't that amazing? All fine. Yeah. Yep. So they, they get like a couple school buses and then they take us to the two hotels or something like that we can stay in. So the people who help us through like the checkpoint or customs or whatever it was, they're the same people driving the bus, <laughs> basically. 
And then also the next day when we're walking around town waiting for a yeah. plane to come in and then go back, I think that afternoon, same people running the gift shop in town. Oh my God, that's awesome. It was awesome. I mean, that's so we really a, yeah. got to know this town very wow. intimately. That's so um, funny. That's awesome. Yeah, so. Dan did that once when he was in Lynchburg, Virginia. He's like the guy that checked him in, took his bag, put it on the plane, and that was the flight attendant. Awesome. <laughs> Just brilliant. That's awesome. That's yeah. You're lucky you weren't cruising the next day or you would have missed your boat. Yeah. So we thought we were going to have an extra day. In Barcelona. In Barcelona. But thankfully we had another day on the back end. But yeah, no, I know. So that is, heads up, go I early. Know. Oh, I know. People are always like, oh, we're good. Things happen. Yep. Yeah. And then the boat leaves without you. If you book through the cruise line, they wait or they get you to the next port. So that would be complicated too. Yeah. It's yeah. Those are the phone calls. You're like six in the morning. Oh, that's fun. Those are not fun phone calls. So we try to make sure that all of our clients know that before they go and we make them sign waivers if they decide to do it themselves. So Mine's another one. Mine was a um, flying. So Dan and I got to go to London in, gosh, this has to be, I, my kids were like, okay, Katrina was going on. So I think that's- I think Like that's 05. 05, 06. Yeah. I actually got someone to watch my kids. Um, we went with my parents and we went to London and then we drove up to Scotland and then came back down. So we are in London. We're flying home. We're flying on British Airways, which is beautiful, big 747. And we're in coach and it's like 353, I think. And we're flying nonstop back. We're so excited because I always book one in the middle. If we're on the side, if it's three, I do, you know, aisle window. I like the window. He likes the aisle because the middle is the last to fill. So I tell everyone, I'm like the middle's before COVID. I'm like middle's last to fill always book that way. And then you can just move. They're so excited that they're going to get a window. I'll move to the middle or damn whatever. I'm like, but do that first. And then you get the odds are against you. And I would say 50, 50, we don't get it filled. So we're so excited. We back up and then they're like, oh no. They bring the plane back and they're like, we're having trouble with our tire. We're going to be here for another hour. So we're sitting on the plane. (laughs) Then all of a sudden you see this guy like huffing down the, you know, the aisle. You're like, yeah, I know where he's coming. He's like, oh man, I almost didn't make it. Thank God the plane had problems. So he sits, I moved to the middle. He's on the window, whatever. You get on the plane and you know they serve alcohol. I think we've been up in the air 45 minutes and I've got on these huge headphones. <laughs> I think we've just gotten beats, right? And it, we're tight and we're tired now. And the seats are bigger, but everyone can go back farther when you're on international flights, right? So you're you're back and I get a beer and Dan hits my tray and it goes all over me. And I'm in jeans and it's like, it's slow motion. You know, you have your headphones on, everything's echoing. And I'm like, oh shit. And so we all get up and I'm soaked. And so we get the flight attendant and I'm like, do you have any more like a blanket? Or I mean, the chair is soaked. And she goes, you know, she's British, which I can't do. Oh, honey. <laughs> and she goes and gets me first class jammies. And I was like, boom. <laughs> they were like yoga pants. And like, I put on first class jammies and then I sat on a blanket and then it dried up. And because of the air in the plane, it dries really quick. It's really dry. And it was, they were so, I was like, oh, I need to do that more often. So it was really fun. And then um, I remember because Dan and I always had this issue because Dan, if Dan could, he would be like in his own pod and have no one talk to him on an airplane. I don't know if that's how you are. But I, probably, probably. Yeah, I want everyone to be my friend. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, where'd you go? Part of that sales, right? Where are you going? Where'd you go? Blah. I've met many of my clients on an airplane. But Dan's like, focus, like focus. And it drives him nuts. He's like watching. I remember what he's watching. He's watching some movie with Keanu Reeves. It was not. Yeah. No, it's after that. Chris, mm. It was like a service C. Like a like evil thing, and he would be so impatient. He'd be like, "Do you want to get out of the aisle?" Oh, okay. Uh, don't worry about it. I'll just pause my movie. And I finally said to him, "I go. I think I should be on the aisle, and you should be in the middle." And he's like, "You have the jammies." <laughs> did you get to keep those? Oh yeah, I totally did. I kept them for a long time. They were very very comfy, and it's like I think London to Phoenix was like thirteen hours. So it's a bummer. They're getting rid of the 747s. They're taking them out. It's my favorite aircraft. And then I remember when they took out the DC-10s. So I flew to Switzerland once with my dad and I was on the top deck and he was on the bottom. We weren't next to each other. Bad travel agent. Who did that? There's something beautiful about them. I absolutely love airplanes. I want to become a pilot someday myself. I think that flying is not like it used to be, but it's just 
unbelievable that somebody in this century, well, I guess last century, I mean, the, the massive amount of force it takes to get that creature up in the air. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the coolest thing. So um, I've studied a lot of airplane crashes, which I probably shouldn't tell people, but I have, I, I just, it fascinates me. If I could work for the, if like I have a dream job, I'd work for the NTSB. I think that it's fascinating that they can study an airplane crash or study something like that um, explosion that went off JFK that I think it was TWA 777 right after the Olympics in, I think it was 96, 98. And they can take part of the aircraft, put it back together after it's been in the ocean and can tell that the explosion happened before or this, or, you know, they can tell by the singe marks. I'm like, that is just beyond fascinating. And it's made us safer. There's so many things that have come out of it that have made travel so much safer. Traveling is safe. I know people really struggle with flying and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, it's better than driving in your car. All you got to do is get in a car right now and watch people on their stupid ass cell phones. And you're like, hello. I tell my kids, I'm like, always look in your mirrors because people behind me, I'm like, they almost hit me because they're like, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Nothing is that important. So anyhow, I love travel. I think it's great. I want more people to travel. If you feel uncomfortable about it, you could wear an N95 mask on the airplane. So, and you traveled on the plane, you're like, it smelled clean. I mean, they say that these flight attendants are doing a fantastic job. So we'll see. I think this is fun. We're going to try to get some great people on here and see how it goes and then tell all your friends and they'll tell their friends and they'll tell their friends. Remember that commercial? Wasn't that like, what was that? What was that? Wasn't that like herbal essence? Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. So the herbal essence lady, I, I, I watched a seminar on her. I mean, think about her, what she did to that brand. She changed that brand by putting a woman on there and making people think what that woman was doing in the shower. I'm like, marketing. oh yeah. I was like, that, that is like, that was brilliant. My husband loves the Geico people. Oh yeah. They're good. <laughs> I mean, I think they're really funny. He likes the um, cavemen. I'm like, eh. I like the ones that um, I used to love the bud one that it was a Super Bowl one where they said I'm working with a bunch of jackasses and he's like, I'm working with a bunch of monkeys. And then they showed jackasses in their office and monkeys. Commercials aren't like they used to be. I think people need to be more creative. So Anyhow, I digress. Okay, I'm going to close this down. We have a lot of editing to do to see if this even turns out to be anything. But this was fun. Yeah, take one. I'm surprised. You thought we could do this in 15 minutes. (laughs) We might only have 15 minutes of quality (laughs) stuff here. So That is true. Don't get ahead of yourself. This was a lot of of back and forth. But, you know, I think it was good because I think that out of this, we're going to develop a flow. You know, there's going to be some some standard things that become part of you know regular show. Yep. Got to have some sort of consistency. Obviously, you know that's important to me. Quality control over here. Yes. Um, COO. <laughs> so I pay you the big bucks. Backstage Trouble podcast is hosted by Susan Green and Coulter Fleming. Editing, producing, and managing by Mackenzie Green. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Visit our Facebook page and send us your travel stories at info at backstagetravelpodcast.com. Susan and her team at Susan's Travel Services have a passion for what they do and want to get you to your dream destination. They're so dedicated to giving you the experience of a lifetime that they'll help you at no cost. To learn more, find them online at Susan's Travel services.com.